Welcome to our show, Holding Ground. My name is Laura Richer. I'm a psychotherapist and the owner of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. Each week, I'm joined by another therapist from the Anchor Light team to tackle important topics in mental health and psychotherapy. Our goal is to promote well-being by normalizing mental health challenges. We are here holding ground for you. Welcome to Holding Ground. My name is Laura Richer. I'm the founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. And today I'm here with my two co-hosts, Michelle Mooney, who is our resident trauma and couples therapist, and also with our newest therapist, Brenda Gill. You can listen to our show anytime on your favorite podcast platform, or you can also just go to the anchorlighttherapy.com website and check out all of our past episodes. So good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Laura. I'm happy to be back. And just a reminder to all of our listeners, we offer a 20-minute complimentary consultation to all potential listeners who might want to discover how therapy can work for them. And don't forget to find us all over social media. Thanks, Michelle. So, Brenda, we are so happy to have you as a part of the team. Welcome. Thank you, Laura. I'm excited to be here. Let me tell you all a little bit more about Brenda. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist associate, and she specializes in relationships and individual therapy. She is also an EMDR trained therapist and trained in cognitive behavioral therapy, internal family family systems, and the Gottman method. And she uses these modalities to empower others. So I love Brenda's approach. She encourages clients to witness their emotions, to better identify their needs, and strengthen their ability to advocate for themselves. Brenda, just tell me a little bit more about how you work with clients. Absolutely. So in my therapy room, I try to create an atmosphere where my clients feel uh, that it's a collaborative and inclusive environment. I try to explain that they're the expert in their experience, and I'm here to serve as a guide to help them better understand their lives and what may be more uh, helpful for them moving forward. So that is such a great lead into the topic that we're going to be approaching today. So Brenda, tell us a little bit about what we're going to share with our listeners today on Holding Ground. Absolutely. So because we, you know, we are a couple therapists, we want to talk a little bit about expectations and boundaries and relationships. We want to talk a little bit about what that means and, and how to set those within relationships. So Michelle, do you ever run into clients who have unrealistic expectations in their relationships? Uh, sure. All the time, Laura. <laughs> well, good. Then I think this will be a good topic for everyone today. And also just to share a little bit more about Brenda, she is from Southern California and she just moved up to Seattle and she is a perfect fit for the Pacific Northwest because she loves camping and hiking. So I'm sure she's going to resonate with our clients here at Anchorlight. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, let's get into it. So what are some of the expectations? Well, actually, let's just get to basics. What are expectations, Brenda? Right. So maybe an analogy here is to think about a team, whether it's been an academic team, a sports team, something that you've been on. Typically, those teams want to cultivate a supportive environment where you want where you can rely on each other in order for that system to work. Typically, there's some type of rules or guidelines that helps clarify the goals and maybe include some of the needs and wants of that team. And so think about your relationship in the same way. When you're trying to build a team with another person, you may want to also talk about what it is that you need as an individual what you may want and then set up those rules and guidelines so that you feel that both you and your partner are both contributing and receiving the benefits of the relationship and then as a result of that then you can have more efficient functioning and collaboration within that relationship. Yes so expectations are really important and we all have expectations of you know our relationships not only romantic relationships but with our coworkers and our friends and our families and sometimes those expectations can serve us really well and and sometimes they don't and that's what we're going to 
dive into a little deeper today. So sometimes, and I run into this occasionally with clients, is that um, their expectations are too low in the relationship. And that can be problematic. Do you have any thoughts about that, Michelle, why low expectations well, low expectations ultimately lead to unmet needs. And I've worked with people before who didn't realize they actually could ask to have their needs met. So it was a very novel concept for them. So um, definitely want to ask for your needs to be met um, and get on the same page so you can also hear what your partners are as well. So, yeah. And also the, the thing about low expectations that I think it's important to recognize is that the truth is you have expectations. Low expectations just might mean that you're denying what, what you're really desiring from a relationship and you're making allowances for things that maybe aren't okay with you. So, you know, some examples of that could be um, accepting a level of a commitment from a partner that maybe isn't really what you're wanting out of a relationship. Um, or it could also mean that you're accepting behaviors that, that maybe just don't line up with how you want to live your life or, or what is okay with you. I don't know, Brenda, what do you see in couples therapy when people have low expectations? Yeah. One of the big things that pops into my head is quality time. Mm -hmm. So there might be different, um, personality types, right? So maybe one partner is more introverted, one's more extroverted, and maybe the extroverted partner likes to be really social and is dedicating a lot of time to hang out with friends and family. And so that might leave the more introverted partner feeling a little bit insecure, uh, maybe needing some reassurance. And so if those needs aren't talked about, that can lead to a lot of tension and feeling like, wow, my, I'm not a priority to my partner, or, or maybe a feeling that I, I'm also dating my partner's friends, right? Mm. So, so kind of that uh, disconnection could happen there from those low expectations or just not talking about those expectations. So what's a remedy for that when you see that in, in couples therapy? How do you help couples who aren't properly communicating their expectations? Right, right. So the first step is to identify needs. And so sometimes that can be difficult. And we'll get to this a little bit later on too. But but first is just identifying what it is that that I need as a person to survive, right? What is, if I'm feeling sad when my partner is not doing this? And so reflecting on, on you know, where is this sadness coming from? What is it that might be missing here? Um, it's also important to figure out whether it's a reasonable need for your partner to uh, meet. Mm -hmm. It might be, it might also point to some individual work that might uh, that may need to be done uh, if that need is maybe too great for your partner. Um, but so that's the first step there. And after that, you may want to talk about ways to compromise um, in order to identify, okay, what, what's the realistic expectation here in this relationship? Yeah. And sometimes it's difficult to figure out what those things are. And that's one way that therapy can really help you is sometimes people do have expectations of their partners that are really things that they need to do for themselves, need, their needs need to be met by themselves, things like feeling, you know, cultivating healthy self-esteem and mm -hmm. self-worth, your partner probably isn't going to be able to do that for you. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but sometimes we don't know that. Maybe we haven't had examples of healthy relationships in our lives. And, and so we need a little help understanding that and then learning the, the, the skills and the tools to be able to do that for ourselves so that we can be in healthy functioning relationships, which is, is what we all want, right? Absolutely. And so let's talk about reasonable expectations. Let's start there. Like, what can we expect from our partners? 
Um, so the first one we want to have the um, clear expectation set around is commitment. So we want to discuss behaviors with our partners, um, such as marriage or open relationships, those sorts of commitment um, related expectations. So we're on the same page. Otherwise, I, I've seen couples that get into relationships and even marriages without even discussing if they want to have children yet. So that's a big one. We need to be on the same page around what our commitment or expectation around the level of commitment of our relationship. I've also seen couples who feel that they might change each other's mind on oh, that. Oh yeah, and that, <laughs> I've seen that a lot. Yep. And that's why it's usually we're not going to change our minds. So it's good to get all of that out on the table. Cool. What else, Michelle? So the next one we would want to have similar expectations on, or at least um, communicated expectations is around empathy. So building curiosity around your partner's experience, understanding, even if you don't necessarily agree with where they might be coming from on certain topics that um, maybe historical things, again, that have happened to them that um, cause them to emote in certain ways, um, the way they would show up to relationships, um, the way they just emotionally regulate themselves sometimes. So just really um, understanding from that point of view, ask open-ended questions. Again, be curious. Curious. Again, don't just try to lead with logic around that. Um, and um, you know, don't try not to offer a solution to your partner's problems. Rather, be there to listen. Right. Sometimes we just need to vent. Sometimes we just need to share. We're not looking for a solution from our partners. We just need somebody to be there with empathy for us. And that can be really challenging sometimes because our feelings are not logical necessarily. Um, but Brenda, what do you notice in, in how people's past experiences might show up in their current relationships? What, what do clients who have past trauma deal with when they're relating to a partner? Right, right. So that there's a couple layers of barriers that come up there with uh, past trauma history. So one, as I mentioned earlier, maybe it's really hard for them to identify needs because they haven't been able to, right? No one's really been available for them to support them with that. But the other component of that as well is that it, it may feel that, well, my partner will never understand what I went through. Um, and so that, that's where communicating that empathy and being able to maybe having that third party, maybe potentially coming into therapy if a lot of the, this uh, trauma is coming up and causing a divide in the relationship, having that third part, uh, party, that therapist there to help guide and cultivate more empathy and, and provide some possibly psychoeducation around the trauma uh, to help the, the partners connect and figure out, okay, this is why it's this need is so important to my partner because they've gone through this, right? And they've maybe experienced a lot of fear around these situations. And attachment theory is a theory in psychology that can help a lot of with this. And we have a handful of past episodes on this topic. If you want to go to anchorlighttherapy.com and check that out. Um, but it helps us understand how our past show up in our, a lot of times with our, our relationships with our parents, our primary caregivers, or even our past relationships show up in our current uh, relationships. And just understanding how you might be triggered by past situations a lot gives you the tools to better understand your partner's reactions and your own. Mm -hmm. Another one I've seen around empathy around past, just real quick, is a assumption that holidays are supposed to be happy. So when we get together with our partner and their families, we're expected to be celebrating and joyful with them. But a lot of times, um, partner or holidays are hard. So understanding those kinds of things about your partner to really showing up for empathy, even if it doesn't match your lived experience. Yeah, exactly. That we all have different memories and associations with different events. And one thing that could be really joyful for someone could be traumatic for somebody else. 
what are some other um, things that are reasonable expectations that you should be able to expect from your partner? So the same level of commitment or at least a conversation about that, empathy, what else? The next one, Laura, we have is friendship. So we want to per, uh, practice communication towards our partner and their love language, right? So the next one we have is friendship. So active listening throughout the day, making time to engage with one another in both your conversations and your activities, things that your partner likes to, uh, and enjoys, um, not just the things that you like and enjoy, um, and being present in ways where maybe we even just make eye contact, engage in physical touch, um, things like that. That, um, you know, responding to our partner's bids for attention all can increase uh, a sense of friendship. And I do, you know, going back to kind of the idea of having low expectations, I've worked with clients in the past to say, well, I, I have these needs and they're realistic needs. They're expecting empathy and kindness, or maybe they're expecting that their, their emotional needs be met on some level or their sexual needs are met on some level and that they have a partner that just for whatever reason, unwilling, unable is not able to meet those needs. And so I will have some clients that will say, maybe I should just suppress those needs or get rid of them altogether, or maybe I shouldn't have them. What would you say to a client like that, Brenda? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, the first thing that comes to my mind is, is trying to identify maybe some gray areas, right? So, so I feel like some clients may go all or nothing, right? Well, you know, they don't want to do this, and then so that's impossible. And so first, I might try to get them to explore some areas of, of, of maybe compromise where maybe uh, like a good example of this is maybe one person um, trying to initiate sex and the other person, you know, isn't in the mood or again, maybe is unwilling or unable. And so maybe coming up with what are some alternatives then um, to support both partners with, with maybe some self-soothing and feeling like, okay, like, you know, I, I, I am able to support my partner in this way, or I'm able to meet needs in this way. Mm -hmm. But then also uh, assisting them with communication to better express, you know, why maybe it's a hard boundary here or why, you know, no is the answer are here in this situation um, to, again, just get that understanding and, and avoid building resentment towards each other. Right, right. So is there anything else that we can, we really should be able to expect from our, our partners? So we're saying commitment, empathy, friendship, all reasonable expectations. Okay. Well, then let's move on to the unreasonable expectations because that is what we deal with a lot in therapy is when people have unreasonable expectations. So tell our listeners a little bit about that. What would be an unreasonable expectation? So the first unreasonable expectation is no arguments. So we have to have productive uh, conflict in our relationships to manage things as they come up, right? We're not going to always agree on everything. So the key is how to have healthy conflict, not to avoid it altogether. Um, if we avoid conflict, a lot of times part one partner or both can be conflict avoidant for whatever reason. It only builds resentment, right? It can create the sense of walking around on eggshells around their partner, right? They have something to say, but they are afraid to say it. Um, so when it really it alienates the other partner um, and things never get taken care of. They only uh, build up over time. So, which leads to our next one, which is mind reading. So we want to avoid that as well. So that's expecting your partner to know exactly what you need, what you think, how to respond. I'm sure we've heard of the examples of, well, why didn't he get me a Tiffany's bracelet for Christmas, right? He should know me, right? Well, did you ask for that? Maybe not. Maybe he doesn't know you <laughs> as well as you think or the exact uh, specific thing that that you were looking for. So we have to communicate our needs and our wants and our desires. 
The last unreasonable expectation um, that we have is expecting our partner to change their personality, appearance, or their behaviors. Okay, good. So let's go, let's dive into those a little deeper. So no arguments. This is something I see quite a bit with clients where one of the partners is really conflict adverse. And that can be for all kinds of reasons. Maybe conflict in their home growing up was not safe. It feels very threatening. Um, they could have an anxious attachment style where the idea, they have very black and white thinking. If there's any problem, that means it's going to be the end of the relationship. So they avoid conflict. So what do you see, Brenda, with your clients, if you have one partner who's really conflict avoidant? Mm -hmm. Right, right. So that, that also might lead into this pursuer distancer dynamic where maybe one person wants to avoid the argument and so they'll try to distance themselves while the other partner is just getting more and more anxious trying mm -hmm. to figure out and trying to resolve the issue there and yeah. there and then. And so when this happens, um, and, and the other thing as, as uh, Michelle had mentioned, right, so it leads to that feeling of walking on eggshells. And so uh, instead of the relationship growing and being challenge and, and expanding the communication through working through these arguments, uh, the relationship may become stagnant or maybe resentful or again, more of these negative emotions are building. And so because the, uh, these issues go unresolved, there's more negative emotions that are accumulating in that relationship, which may lead to further conflict down the road. Or once that conflict finally boils over, it's, it's really hard to repair that relationship because too much has been bottled up for too long. Yes. And I, what I, the pattern that I see is that what you brought up, the pursuer avoider, that the more the person tries to avoid conflict, the more conflict they're actually creating because mm -hmm. the person who wants to resolve it or feels left in the dark about what is going on is becoming more angry, more resentful. So I think one of the things that I like to work with couples on is the idea that there is healthy conflict and that you in fact will have conflict in every relationship that you're in. It doesn't have to be escalated conflict. It doesn't have to be scary, you know, yelling, throwing dishes, anything like that. But when you have two people with two different personalities and two different life experiences, you're going to have different opinions. But conflict is also an opening. It's, it's a door to help you have a deeper understanding of your partner. So a lot of times I'll hear people say, well, yeah, we had this big argument and it was hard or it was scary. But on the other side of it, we really felt closer because we had this opportunity to know each other better. So it doesn't have to be a bad thing. And if you're trying to have this ideal relationship that has no conflict, you are going to be disappointed. <laughs> Absolutely. So... Then we, we, I want to look at the next one, which is mind reading. So as Michelle said, mind reading is when you just assume that because your partner knows you, that they should know what you need, what you want, how you're feeling. And that is just an unrealistic expectation. Um, and it's really common. Do you find this with couples that, that they expect their partner to know what they're thinking or feeling? I see it all the time, Laura, again, that, you know, they should know me by now, or they should know that this is what I needed in this particular situation. And, you know, I don't always know myself in a particular situation, <laughs> exactly. right? So if I'm upset, I might need a bowl of soup or I might need to run around the block, who knows, right? So how can I expect my partner to also know what I need in any given moment? So that is why it's so important to communicate that. And that is such a good point, Michelle. We are all very complex beings. And sometimes we don't, 
I sometimes am upset and don't know how to soothe myself or, or sometimes even what's really bothering me. Sometimes I go to therapy to try to figure that out. So why would we expect that another person would be able to do that for us? And I see that all the time in couples therapy, um, sometimes some extreme examples uh, in relationships. Years ago, I worked with someone who really thought that his partner should be able to anticipate to a very high level everything that he that he needed. And of course, our relationship ended in divorce because that is too much to place on another person. Um, and he was very disappointed and upset all the time. So not only you know did she feel in, inadequate because she wasn't able to meet this need, but also he was upset all the time. So both parties suffered in that situation. I also see people that are unwilling to let their partner know what it is they need because yeah. then, and then that puts the partner in a bind where it's like, oh, well, now you're only doing that because I told you to do it, mm-hmm. right? And so, but that type of thinking will put you in a trap where there's like no way to win that situation, right? So you're always going to be disappointed of, oh, my partner doesn't know. And then the partner is going to feel really anxious also not knowing <laughs> what to do, uh, whether they're able to, to get you the thing that they need and you know just to hear like oh well you know you you didn't even really want to give that to me it's only because I asked for it that you're doing it now right and so it's just loss all around Um, yeah which is the love languages we've talked about that in the five love Gary Chapman's the five love languages we've talked about past episodes we all express and receive love in different ways what might feel really loving and caring to me and may not feel that way to my partner so if I'm just you know assume that he knows what I need when it's different than what he needs, mm-hmm. how, you know, it's going to be hard for him to guess what that might be. Mm-hmm. And I'm always curious why people think it counts less mm-hmm. if you tell your partner what they need and, and then they do it for you. Yeah. Cause to them, they value that mind reading piece, right? Well, they should know me if they love me, they should know me. Right. At least that's the logic that's been explained to me. I'm <laughs> okay. not saying that's how it should be or how it actually is, mm-hmm. but there's that real strong sense of almost entitlement that this person, if they love me, then they, therefore they know everything about me and how to meet my every need so um that's what I see a lot right I shouldn't have to tell them about me if they love me already so yes and it's that is a myth people can love you deeply and not be able to read your mind yeah (laughs) right All right. Oh, the next one. Okay. You want to change their personality or their habits to make you more comfortable. Who wants to weigh in on this? What do you think about this trade? Do you ever see this happen in therapy? Yeah, this is for me personally, this is a big red flag. Um, This may hit more at some personal issues that may be unresolved. Right. And so say um, maybe I'm insecure about my, about my height or something. And so I now, you know, prevent my, I tell my partner, well, you can't wear heels when you go out. Right. And so now you're trying to control their behavior. And, and this is uh, when we talk about a partner's behavior that is not toxic, right? No, it's, it's just, they're, they're, part of their personality, but, but, you know, they're not doing, there's no ill intention behind this behavior. Um, but it's, it's, it's again, like that partner is trying to stop them just to be more comfortable, right? Again, I'm insecure about my height. And so my partner can't wear heels. That's not okay with me. And, and sometimes that comes with criticism as well of like, no, you know, just putting the partner down in order to change those things. And that results in, in the partner that's made to change feeling almost like I'm, I'm trapped, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I've lost my freedom. And so 
that's another place where resentment can can be created yeah yeah or people have certain anxieties that they are wanting their partner to manage you know maybe I'm anxious about relationships just because of past trauma and when my partner is out with their friends I become very anxious but maybe they're a very social friendly person and and it's a reasonable expectation Mm -hmm. to be able to maintain friendships and be in a relationship so that's a good example of when you might need to look at your Mm -hmm. own baggage and see what what you can work on. Another place I see this show up is uh, partners that come together in a relationship that maybe is, you know, initially based on physical attraction, and then they see all kinds of potential in the relationship (laughs) that may or may not be there. So do you ever see someone who, Michelle, who's fallen in love with potential? Uh, all the time. <laughs> we're, we're hitting all the strong ones today. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's this idea of, yes, I'm very uh, physically attracted to this person, right? And maybe they're in school and trying to figure out their career. And while, you know, they they have such great ambitions, they're going to be this great thing or they're, you know, so latching on to who they might be versus who they already are. Also, I see this a lot in terms of like uh, their partner's mental health, right? So, well, or physical health even, right? They're going to get better. They're going to get through this, right? Right. They just need a new therapist or they need new meds or attaching their, again, their um, hearts essentially onto this idea of this person being um, or hopefully turning into somebody they really want them to be versus who they already are. So yeah, latching on to the what could be, right? And that's not a person, that's an idea. Yeah. That also reminds me of, uh, I've heard it be called the beauty and the beast syndrome. So maybe uh, you find a partner that's a little rough around the edges, maybe has a lot mm-hmm. of trauma and then the, the feeling is <laughs> like, oh, I can fix them, right? Like, but that might be a slippery slope to domestic violence and, and dismissing mm-hmm. um, toxic behaviors, right? Oh, well, it's because he went through a lot. So it's okay that he treats me this way yeah. or, or that they treat me or she treats me, you know? And so that might, may actually lead to potential danger in the relationship um, by kind of again having that your eyes set on on the potential but that's too big of a feat to to take on as an individual that person may need to seek their own support yes and that is such a good point two things there what you know there are many reasons that people have toxic behavior and a lot of it is rooted in trauma and horrible things that have happened to them in the past and that still does not make it okay for anyone to be abusive towards you so we don't want to give anyone passes for toxic behavior just because it's rooted in past trauma they still need to be able to address that to be in a relationship and then the other thing I think is important to look at if you find yourself in this uh, beauty and the beast dynamic is why are you looking for someone to change what's going on with you that you want to find somebody um, and fix them or change them I, I often find that that happens with people who are either suffering from impaired self-esteem for some reason and maybe don't believe that they deserve a healthy relationship or they're wanting to distract from the own work that they need to do on themselves and it's easier to focus on someone else so if you're trying to fix somebody you want to ask yourself why that is yeah that can also that the desire to fix or to help somebody else right that can come from trauma in a way like this people pleasing helping kind of um, role that maybe somebody's always played and never got the chance to really do that um, for them so like you're saying right they really need to look at their own stuff before they try to go heal everybody else and then maybe you want to explore being a, in a helping profession and becoming a therapist but you don't need to do <laughs> that in your romantic- <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but you don't want to do that with your partner a romantic relationship is really for healthy romantic relationships are really going to be uh between people who are 
pretty much on equal footing and we all have our stuff, but that, that are coming together to kind of support each other and empower each other, not one person trying to pull the other person up. That's not going to typically work out. I've actually never really seen that work out in, in person. In the movies, it makes say, a great TV. story. Yeah. 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 <laughs> in real life, in the therapy room, I never see that work mm -hmm. out, but it does yeah. make it like the bad boy that comes into her life and she loves him back to health and they live, he overcomes an addiction <laughs> and they live happily ever after. Real life, I have not seen that play out. And expanding on this one a little bit more, this like expecting your partner um, to change. Also, we can run into issues when we have the expectation that our partner won't change, right? That they're always going to be our high school cheerleader, yeah. you know, football uh, star kind of physique and personality and all of that. But we change, you know, day to day, year to year, right? And so sometimes people, though, want to be locked into that relationship and that person that they originally signed up for. You know, and I see that come up for um, parents a lot of times, for new parents with young children children, your lives change so significantly when you have kids that it's really an unrealistic expectation that your partner would not change through that experience. And then all of the major experiences that we have in life change us where we deal with grief and loss and all, all good things as well. But, you know, we don't want to stay the same. That would be very, to be stunted at 20 when you're 60 would be, you might not be functioning at a high level. Exactly. So that, so now we've covered expectations, which takes us to boundaries and knowing what our expectations are can help us know what our boundaries are. So Brenda, why have boundaries in a relationship? Tell us about that. Yeah, so there is a little bit of overlap. So boundaries can also prevent uh, building resentment or feelings of neglect or invalidation due to those unexpressed or unmet needs. But think about boundaries more of like a like a personal boundary. Like, what do I need? Like, what's a rule where we're like, you know, this is this is um, if this is trespass, this is this is. Um, you know, this is going to harm me or, or that there's a, maybe a layer of burnout that could happen if, if I'm not able to maintain this boundary. Um, and so then there's different types of boundaries too, different categories that we'll go into to give you a better idea of what we mean uh, by boundaries versus an expectation. So Laura, what are um, some types of boundaries that you see uh, clients mostly needing to consider in their relationships? Um, so one that comes to mind is emotional boundaries uh, that different people have different emotional needs and you don't want to ask your partner to be responsible necessarily fully for your emotional needs and you also want to respect what your partner needs. So I, a couple that I worked with in the past that comes to mind, one of them was very affectionate and really wanted a lot of their partner's attention. Um, during times when the partner was busy and this felt very and it was kind of that anxious attachment avoidant attachment style playing out together um but it was very overwhelming to to the other partner like to have be approached in this way you know during the middle of the work day or you know just very wanting a lot of their attention so in that situation there was um some work for for the partner that wanted a lot of emotional interaction maybe at not the most appropriate times to to do some work on how to self-soothe, to recognize maybe what they were needing in the moment and how they could ask to have those needs in a met, be met in a way that wasn't overwhelming to their partner or at an inappropriate time. And on the flip side, for the person who had the more avoidance style, some of their work was to learn how to 
to be with their partner when they had anxiety or they needed to, to have them stay in conflict with them and resolve it instead of going away from them and increasing that anxiety. So it was really about just kind of understanding each other's emotional responses and, and knowing, really understanding how they were pushing each other's buttons and how they could work around that by respecting their partner's boundaries. Um, another, another one is sexual boundaries. So some people have had traumatic sexual experiences that maybe their partner didn't have. And so some things that might even be considered in the realm of very, I hate to use the word normal because what's normal, but like, but typical sexual behavior um, is uncomfortable for them. And so again, that's, that can be very damaging to the relationship if one person is pushing the other partner's uh, sexual boundaries, maybe unintentionally, maybe it, because, and because they aren't aware of their past trauma, but you do want to respect that. That will create a lot of, that will compound the trauma as well as create a lot of resentment in the, in the relationship. So yes, emotional, sexual, what else? So we also have physical boundaries. So physical boundaries may um, protect you from neglect, abuse, or poor health that may come from ignoring your needs for rest, food, and drink within the relationship. And so when, when we're talking about relationships, this also extends to uh, professional relationships, family relationships, peer relationships outside of just intimate relationships. And physical boundaries can also be um, in regarding uh, personal space and maybe even uh, touch as well. Um, then there's also material boundaries, and so this may discuss how you prefer your items to be shared or used. Um, this may look like setting limits on how frequent uh, your items are able to be used by others, um, maybe their access to your belongings as well. Um, and this also involves the use of money, um, so finances within a relationship. And then if you're noticing that maybe your partner is trying to manipulate you through accessing your belongings or uh, maybe taking more than um, was agreed upon, this could also be a form of abuse. So it's, it's important to take uh, this, this boundary here into consideration. Good. So Michelle, what else do we have in terms of boundaries to consider? So the next one we should consider is intellectual boundaries. So we want to have respect for our partner's um, thoughts, their um, goals, their opinions, their values, that sort of thing. But we, A, need to make sure we're on the same page with those, but B, set very specific boundaries around things like racism or, you know, harder topics like sexism or gender or things like that, politics, right? So I actually had um, a client I was working with as an individual, and she had, um, when she entered her, uh, a relationship she had a handful of years ago set a very clear expectation I'm sorry boundary around you know if this is the way you vote it was an election year if this is the way you vote then we can't be together right these are my ideals and um, values around um, politics and this person said yep me too turns out they broke up a year later um, this person found out that the, uh, her partner had voted complete opposite of her um, mm -hmm. did not respect those boundaries nor was honest with her about that um, so that's it that's a very extreme and unfortunate example, but those are things that are really important that we let our partner know. And sometimes that means we have to break up in a relationship, but that's what it means. Um, okay. So the next one we have is time. So we want to have a realistic boundary around time. So if I'm at work all day and I have 
you know, 10 clients and five minutes to use the restroom, my, my partner um, can't expect me to be able to pick up the phone every time he calls, for example, right, or respond to a text right away. We can't have this expectation that our, our partner is always going to be available to us, right? So we need to set the boundary on time, right? This is when I can, you know, I'm available. Let's catch up here. Let's hang out on these days, uh, that sort of thing. Um, Clients but, with only five minutes to use the bathroom. I don't know. Who would that happen to? Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. That never happens. <laughs> um, so we want to set really clear boundaries around our time because then, right, if our partner thinks, hey, I can call any time and they'll respond and then they're not, right, then you're getting into a whole nother issue with um, time boundaries, right, because now that person's disappointed. They think that maybe you're mad at them or disrespecting them or whatever it is. So we need to really have clear guidelines around how we share our time with one another. Yes. So all good boundary examples, and I gave a few examples already about emotional and sexual and physical boundaries. Um, what are some like what are some examples of boundaries when it comes to material things? If somebody was going to have good boundaries around materials, Brenda, what would that look yeah, like? Absolutely. So that might look like, as I mentioned, maybe this has to do with personal items and money. And so a way to start a, a conversation about this might look like just saying, hey, you know, please leave my keys and glasses where I left them and maybe explaining a little bit of why, right? So I get stressed when I can't find them and I'm trying to head out to work. And so, and, and remembering that, you know, boundaries are a way to preserve some of your individuality within that relationship, right? This is like a personal need that you have, right? To have your, your keys and glasses in these like specific uh, locations and so letting your partner know hey this is this is important for me and my functioning can you uh, respect and honor that boundary um, another more maybe more intense example of this is asking your partner, hey, you know, can you not search through my closet without me ask or without asking me? Uh, it may, it reminds me of how my mom used to invade my privacy as a teen, right? So some of these boundaries may originate from previous experiences of, of times where people have violated those boundaries. And so it's okay to now um, uh, being older to, to recognize, you know, I don't want this to happen again because this made me feel uh, some type of negative way and asking that from, from your partner. Well, good. These are all really great examples. So what can what can our clients do with um, some of this information? Because, I mean, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, Michelle, but sometimes clients don't even realize that they're crossing their partner's boundaries. Do you ever see that? Yeah, and that, that can uh, come a lot with um, obviously new relationships, but even relationships where we've been together for a long time, maybe our boundaries, our expectations have shifted and that goes uncommunicated, mm -hmm. right? So we're not keeping up with our partner. We're not continuing to get to know them. So these are things to definitely check in about here and there, right? I notice, you know, maybe you are behaving in a certain way when I bring this up. Has something shifted for you on this, right? Have you changed political parties, for yeah. example? Let, let's Let's talk about that, right? So um, continue to have the conversations and the curiosity around these things, right? A tune-up, right? A yeah. relationship tune-up, just the way we would take our car in, so. Yeah, so I think really identifying what your expectations are first, sometimes people don't even know what their own boundaries and expectations mm -hmm. are. So you might want to do that work individually first to identify, mm -hmm. hey, what is making me uncomfortable in this situation? What do I really need? Mm -hmm. And then be able to try to effectively communicate that with your partner. So again, we don't want to ask anyone to read our minds that it's just a lot easier to just tell people what we need and have them have the information to work with. Um, and sometimes those can be hard conversations to have and those that can be a good time to come to, to couples therapy to have somebody help you have those conversations in a really structured and effective way. Um, 
And I, you know, what you said to Michelle about realizing that our partners are going to change, that we aren't set in stone. And so maybe we need to revisit conversations that we've had in the past and check in and see if it's time that we change our expectations. Maybe things that were expected in the past aren't, aren't reasonable anymore. Maybe our lives have changed in, in big ways that have, a, have an impact on how we show up for our relationship. You know, sometimes jobs and kids and mm -hmm. all those kinds of things can cause things to shift in a big way. And that's totally normal. That doesn't mean that there's something wrong in the relationship. You just might need to reevaluate how you're do what you're doing. And then also throughout this whole process, have empathy for, mm -hmm. for your partner. You might not totally understand their experience. You know, I see this a lot with people who are sometimes when grief happens, when somebody loses a parent or something, where it really shifts how they can show up in their relationship. And maybe I've never lost a parent, so I don't know what that experience is like. Mm -hmm. And maybe my partner's grief reaction is not what I expected grief to look like, mm -hmm. but trying to have empathy for, for how we're all changing. Because again, the reason we're partnered up is we want to support each other. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And in identifying and communicating boundaries, very similar, right? Starting with first identifying what your needs are, right? If you're experiencing some discomfort in the relationship, being curious about it, what, what is the unmet need here? Uh, from there, you can maybe identify the places where that boundary may be flexible, where it may be less flexible and, and, and using that to find those areas of compromise with your partner. Um, and then after that, you may want to, um, you know, be consistent in calling out violations to that boundary in order to maintain it. Um, you also may want to consider any consequences after violating these boundaries, right? Like say, what, what if, what if your partner, um, you know, the boundaries like, well, you, you know, you sh we, we can't date other people who are exclusive, right? So what if a boundary like that is violated and what follows after that? Um, and then finally, you may want to also communicate um, about the impact of the violation, right? Is the trust hurt? What do we need to do? Um, in order to move forward and uh, for boundaries um, violations like those like infidelity and affairs things like that um, therapy can be a really big resource because it's really it can be difficult to rebuild trust after uh, a boundary violation that large yeah well I think that's all we have for today Michelle tell everyone where they can find us if they'd like to schedule a complimentary consultation or try out couples therapy yes um well just a reminder Brenda is our newest couple therapist so um but to meet with Brenda or any of our couples therapists here you can schedule a complimentary consultation at anchorlighttherapy.com slash get started all right thanks for listening to holding ground Thanks for tuning in to Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, owner of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. We'll see you next week.